All right, all right. So uh, today we're gonna do uh, we're gonna talk about prayer a little bit, but I wanted to share a little story about something that happened to me when I was in middle school, and uh, ironically, I teach middle school. Um, so thinking about this and working on the message, I was like, boy, I said this is really appropriate because I see myself in a lot of the kids that I teach. Uh, so there was one semester I was a pretty uh, pretty good student. I generally made A's and B's, uh, but there was one semester um, at school. Man, I hope none of my kids are listening to this. Um, there was one semester uh, I had really bad problems with my parents. Like we were constant fighting and there was a lot going on at home. And uh, to let you know, my mother is a teacher or she's a retired teacher. So she taught for over 40 years. Um, and uh, she would not let me get C's. So that was not acceptable. So a C would have been just like an F in our household. Um, my mom used to say the line, you're not a submarine, so you definitely don't belong below sea level, blah, 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 right? Um, yes, yeah, I still think that's, that's so goofy, uh, even now as I get older. But anyway, my mother, she did. She thought that that was, she was like, that's not acceptable. She goes, uh, Jimmy, you're not average, so you shouldn't bring average grades home. That was, that was the mantra. Yes, do not call me Jimmy or you will be expelled from this church, excommunicated. All right, it's my mother, that's it. Okay, so anyway, so we can allow it. So one semester I came and I didn't care. There were a lot of things going on at school too. It was horrible. I was being bullied at the same time. Um, you're obviously going through all the changes that you go through when you're um, going through puberty. Um, and I brought home four Fs. So in the previous grading period, I know, right? The previous grading period, I had all A's. So I went from all A's to four F's. Okay, it gets better. Jim, I got a C in Jim. I got a C in Jim. It was horrible. Um, I think the only grade that was really passable, passable uh, was, I believe, uh, what do they call it when you like work in the office? They give you like the extra duty. My office thing where I, you know, would hand out permits. I got an A in that. So good for me. Um, but I did. And so I remembered I got the report card. And, and back in those days, uh, you would actually get a physical report card. So, you know, normally most kids, they're like, hey, man, I'm just not going to tell my parents about it and wait till the next one. My mom was a teacher. So I couldn't even hide that, like my mom knew. So I remembered walking home, I walked home with some friends and I was praying on the way home to myself. Now, keep in mind, I didn't have a relationship with God at that point, but man, I was praying like I did. And uh, if you knew my parents and how they punished us, you would have been praying for me too. And I was sitting there praying and, you know, then you start doing the bargaining thing. God, if you do this, I'll do this. I'll make sure, you know, I pay attention in church. And you're sitting there talking and you're going through all of these different things. And it's just it was just this prayer of desperation. And I'm sure whenever I do go to glory um, or Jesus returns, we're going to talk about that prayer. And Jesus will probably say, man, that was the best prayer you have ever prayed in your entire life. 
Um, it was so awesome. And, and there was just this, it was, I mean, it was my heart. I was afraid I was going to lose my life bringing four uh, Fs home. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, there's a lot that we can learn from ourselves about how we pray and what we do. And, and sometimes because we're a small physical congregation here, even though we have quite a few people that are online, um, a lot of churches have ministry teams, right? So where teams will come up and, and they'll line up around the front. And then if you need prayer, you can come up and you do that. Uh, but a lot of the people who probably would serve in a lot of those ministries are serving elsewhere. So they're greeting or they're part of the worship team or, um, or whatever. So um, I thought it was important that we just simply train everybody. That way everyone knows how to pray. So if someone needs prayer or I say, hey, if anyone needs prayer about something, raise your hand. You being next to them, it's so cool. This is what I see. So a lot of times I'll say, okay, if you need prayer for a financial situation, raise your hand. The person that needs prayer will do this. The person next to them They'll start looking away. It's so because there's that fear, right? Oh my gosh, is that pastor going to have people pray for them? And I got to pray for them because I'm next to them, but I don't want to pray and I'm not comfortable. But maybe if I can slide in the darkness and shimmy over a little bit, right? And so people get worried about that. And understandably, especially if it's someone you don't know. And I totally get that. I totally get it. So we're going to pray uh, now. And then we're going to go over some things about prayer for ourselves as individuals. And then after that, we'll step into kind of a training format where we'll say, okay, this is how you pray for someone. I promise it's doable by anyone. It's not hard. Um, it's not going to make you uncomfortable or it really shouldn't. If it does, I mean, it might make you a little bit, but being uncomfortable, we're Christians, right? That's how we roll. Um, but it'll be done in love and grace, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. So uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, you spend so much time in your scriptures talking about your leaders who've prayed. Um, and so, Lord, thank you for selecting this time to prepare us. We just talked earlier about uh, this new wave of people that are going to be coming and are being ministered to that have no idea about you, your goodness, the church. They know nothing. And so, Father, I just pray that that you get us to the point where we're so comfortable being, I mean, being able to pray for people and, and being able to offer prayer, um, that it's just a necessary um, but easy part of what we do, our existence as believers, um, that it's, it's no big deal. Um, the big deal is that uh, at any moment, we can partner with the Holy Spirit, we can partner with you and what you're doing in that person's life, and that's cool. So, uh, God, thank you for that, and uh, help us retain uh, what you want us to retain. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And for those of you online, there's a tab at the bottom that says notes, and you can take notes right there. Okay, so we are going to go to Matthew, and uh, several of us are very familiar uh, with this passage. Uh, but Jesus was just talking about prayer in general, and especially from religious leaders. So I thought that was very interesting. When you go through the scriptures, Jesus was hard. He touched on some hard subjects, but man, religious leaders abusing power and that type of thing, Jesus did not hold back. Man, some of his best, best insults were from them, man. They were, I mean, man, uh, whitewashed tombs. Like that was one of my, that's one of my top five. 
Jesus insults. Um, but anyway, he uh, would talk to them and they would make a spectacle of praying. They wanted the world to know how holy they were and how good they were and how educated they were. Um, so we're going to go ahead to uh, Matthew 6 and we're going to take a look and start at verse 5 here. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, this is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then, you, then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. Now when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. Um, these are people who are non-Jewish. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Can we say mantra, anyone? Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. This is Jesus talking to his followers. Pray like this. Okay, I'm going to stop us here because I don't want any hate emails because I'm not putting up the right version of the Lord's Prayer because I know it's coming. Right now, we just had this prayer about letting go of the things, right? So in your own, uh, however you want to read this in your own translation, that's totally cool. Um, guys, um, I chose this, obviously, because it explains some things. There are some words in the version that I learned that we don't use, um, like Hollywood. Um, I, I don't know how many times I prayed that prayer and didn't even know what hollowed or hollowed even meant. Um, and so I just said it because I repeated it. So whatever type of prayer you want to pray, it's totally okay. That's a public service announcement via the Brazos Church. All right. Um, but this is what he said. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, before we go into praying for each other, what did Jesus show us about prayer here? We're going to go back through these verses um, and look at them a little bit closer, and then we'll move on with some instruction. It was obvious from Scripture that Jesus, uh, Jesus definitely prayed a lot. Uh, we read in Scripture at least 38 times, depending on your translation, where he either prayed for people, he prayed for his disciples, he prayed for God to answer his prayers for miracles, or he stole away, he would go away privately uh, and pray. But at least 38 times, specifically, it tells us about Jesus actually praying. So as we go through this again, um, these scriptures, these are some key things that um, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to pull out and just remember. Um, the first one was uh, back in verse 5 where it says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. In the synagogues, in these Jewish places of worship, Jesus had the same warning. So this isn't just about where you pray if you go out on the street corners and make a spectacle, but also pride and ego can get us when we're in the four walls of the church too, right? So Jesus was pointing that out, um, that this is definitely a hard issue. It's not about how you look, but it's about your communication uh, with the Father. 
Um, also, in verse 6, he says, But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Man, this reminds me so much of God's presence and how many times when I'm wrapped up into work or uh, whether it's my schoolwork or getting prepared for a sermon, that I forget that God's actually with me, that he's present. You kind of know he's there, but you're not really aware. Um, and so I love the fact that it says that the Father who sees everything will reward you. God loves rewarding his kids. Um, I, I've, I've used the analogy before. It's when you have your kids and you're, you're taking them uh, to the store and you're getting checked out. And the times when my parents would say, hey, Jimmy, don't laugh. They would say, Jimmy, uh, what do you want? And so, you know, that big thing of candy that you have. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, my mom is like actually letting me get something. Um, and so it wasn't because I did good in school. It wasn't because I, uh, uh, you know, remembered my chores. But sometimes my family just wanted to bless me just because. Just because. Hey, we love you and we just want you to be able to get something off the shelf. Our father is the same way. Sometimes we like doing it because we're so used to the way the world works, that people are nice or people do things and there's always a string attached. Um, but our Father, full of grace and mercy, sometimes it has nothing to do with rewarding you for being righteous or rewarding you for, you know, attending church or, hey, you remember to pray again today. That's five days in a row. Congratulations. I'll get you a Lexus. Right. It wasn't anything like that. But God's just like, man, I just want to bless my people. All right. Um, so then we're going to go to verse seven. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. It's interesting because he talks about how the Gentiles, they think their prayers are answered because of their words. Their focus is on their words and not on the Father above that's listening to them. It's easy for us to do the same thing, that we focus so much on our words and how we, we put things together, and, and I have to make sure I use this exact kind of terminology or else God definitely won't move. I have to use the right, right words and string these correct sentences together to do that. God knows your heart. And he also understands your faith, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, so we don't have to make prayer complicated or get into a comparison that, boy, man, that Margie, man, when she prays, I mean, the heavens open up. The second she gets up to the microphone and starts, starts saying some things, the roof literally cracks open and doves come out from the side. And, you know, last Sunday when she did it, I swear I saw a little spark behind her head. Um, when I right, but the reason we do that sometimes we compare is we think that it's about our words. We think that that's really what it is, and that's not true. It's not about our words, but it's always an issue of relationship. And we've all been given a measure of faith. The scriptures say. All right. So now he tells us to pray like this. Um, in the literal Greek, it's pray in this manner, pray this way. So I would never tell someone not to pray the Lord's prayer. I would never, ever do that because it's a beautiful prayer. And obviously, Jesus prayed it. 
Um, just make sure when you pray the Lord's Prayer that it's a prayer from your heart and not one like the Gentiles of mere repetition. Jesus just warned us about that. Um, and I've been one that's been guilty of it, where I've been in some church services uh, where I grew up, um, where the Lord's Prayer was just a regular part of the service. And it got to the point I would just, you know, recite it and here you go, blah, blah, blah. Amen. OK. OK, great. When's communion? All right. Um, so just make sure that when you do it, just please, please, that your heart's in the right place. That's more than repetition, but it's a heart cry, a heart prayer that his will would be done on earth as is in heaven. Um, it starts out, our Father in heaven, or our Father is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Got it. Um, may your name be kept holy. I love that Jesus starts this way because it puts God in his proper place, that he is separated from all of eternity, his reign, his rule, his power. He is separate, holy. And although he talks to us, he loves us as his children. But God is God, Yahweh. Whoever was, is, and whoever will be, the eternal one. He will always, and it's good for us to come with that perspective when we pray. Because sometimes when we lower our expectation and our, our perspective of who God is, our prayers wind up showing it. Because now we, we sometimes sit and we're like, well, I think God can do that. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll pray for you. And I, and I know when we see God for who he really is, the creator of heaven and earth, the great judge, the great physician, the great giver of mercy, our healer. When we see all of those things before we start, right when we get in the middle of right when we get to the beginning of praying, by the time we get to the prayer, we're set. Our perspective is right. OK, I'm going to the right person. It'd be like, you know, those people that like maybe you work with some of them and they spend their time complaining all day at work. And they never go to the right person that can fix anything. Right? We know that it's the same thing that we know that when we put God in his proper place, that when we're saying, you're God and I'm not. And God, I need to submit to your will and whatever that looks like. You are holy. It doesn't make sense. God, this seems to run counter to what I would do, but you're God. So that's the way it is. When we get to that perspective and we get that, you're off to a great start with your prayers. Second one, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. With God and his angels, his divine counsel, um, the spiritual beings that are there, there's no delay in what they do. When the Lord says something, it happens. There's no kind of, okay, well, maybe we should consider that. And, well, God, what did you mean in the Greek? Did they really mean for me to do to go that? No, they answer him. They're at his beck and call, and they do it. And as a result, heaven, I mean, it's, it's, I can't even fathom what heaven is like, except I know it's beautiful. But to have God's perspective, his vision, his purpose, lived out in a way that you can see it and experience it 24, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. God's will is done somewhere all the time. That's amazing. And so this prayer, again, if you've noticed, these first few lines have absolutely nothing to do with us. I thought that was pretty cool. They have to do with God. The next one, this does, give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. Some of your translations may say, give us today our daily bread. All right, what we need. 
boy, to start with what we need, with what we need. And that word needs, for some, sometimes it's a gray area and it's pretty wide to do that. So that goes back to the trust in God. God knows what we need even before we ask. Um, so sometimes we think, well, man, if I, if I do this and I do this, maybe I can kind of manipulate a little bit and get a little extra. Um, but God in his grace, he does. He blesses us. He blesses us anyway and gives us more than what we need. Um, but this is asking us, this is a focus, I think, not only on God's provision, and we acknowledge that provision comes from him, um, but it's also not about us hoarding um, and being gluttons. And then finally, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Anyone that tells you that there is no Satan, uh, which I've been told, sadly enough, from pastors, that's not true. Um, and hopefully this is one of many scriptures um, that you can give them, especially with the Lord, our Lord and Savior talking. Um, I've been told by a lot of pastors that Satan is a symbolic representation of temptation or symbolic um, just really some crazy stuff. Um, and I, I don't like getting up here and, and trying to talk about uh, what other pastors are doing or saying, but I'm saying it for your benefit to hold on to that which is true, the scriptures. There is an evil one that seeks um, to devour us like a lion, that Satan is real. Um, and thank God we have a protector and a defender and a Holy Spirit around us. And we can actually pray to God for anything. We can stand. He empowers us to stand against all of the wickedness against the enemy. Um, that gives us the awareness to see actually the enemy in operation. It's true. There's a Satan. But Satan is not an evil guide. Um, and sadly, a lot of my, my coworkers, even coworkers who uh, know, know the Lord, claim to know the Lord, but a lot that don't believe Satan is kind of the evil counterpart of God, where God is this way and he looks this way, and Satan is this way and looks this way, but just the bad version. And that's not true. He's not even close, not even close at all. Um, but it's important that we recognize that there is evil in the world. And while sometimes we look for other reasons for things happening, how could that happen? Was it this? Was it that? Did they, uh, maybe someone grew up in a bad childhood. Maybe um, there are a whole number of reasons that people do things. Um, and they're valid. They're valid reasons. But let me tell you, evil exists. It's real. It's real. Some people, for whatever reason, have given themselves over to the enemy. And they do evil things. And so we need, as, as people of God, to make sure that we are aware of that. It doesn't mean we look for demons under every rock as we're walking in a park. Um, but we need to be aware and know, know that Satan is working um, to destroy, to try to destroy what God has built up. Finally, verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Obviously, from Scripture, this isn't talking about becoming a Christian, but it's our relationship, our daily relationship with the Lord. The daily times that we've broken fellowship with the Lord through sin. And we need to make sure that we have a willingness to forgive others um, because of that effect, because of that relationship. 
It would be the same thing as if I made my wife upset. Are we still married? Yeah, yeah. I might have to sleep in a different place. But where's <laughs> Ephraim's? Amen. Um, um, but but the relationship is still there. It's just fractured. It's just broken. And we want to make sure that our hearts are cleansed. And it's hard to do that if we're holding on, condemning others, and not forgiving them. It doesn't mean that we have to spend a lot of time with them. Um, it doesn't mean we don't acknowledge the hurt and the pain and having to work through that stuff. But as Christians, we need to be the people that the world knows man. Those are some weirdos. They forgive everything. And part of the way that we can do that is just by doing it, by practicing, practicing forgiveness um, in doing that. And we'll be talking about that in a, a sermon here soon. But um, if you want to keep your relationship right with the Lord um, and as close as you can to be close to him and being able to hear the Holy Spirit clearly and walk in that, get to a point where you're a person that's not easily offended, but easily forgives. Um, and it may take time to work on. That's why we have the Holy Spirit to do what we can't do on our own, which is to become more and more Christ-like uh, as we grow. All right. So I'm going to leave us here. We're just about done with some instructions. And so, hey, Evan, you're sitting there. Can I borrow you real quick? Sure. All right. Thank you. Can we clap for Evan? Evan with his, I like the Superman shirt. I like that. Looks very nice. All right, so Evan, I'm going to give instructions on how we can pray for people, um, what that looks like, and uh, so you'll be the person that I'll be praying for. Okay. All right? Okay, so you can just stand there. So these are some things that we learned from Scripture um, about when we're praying. The first one is don't get ready, be ready. Don't get ready, be ready to make prayer a lifestyle. Jesus, as I mentioned, spent lots of time. He would go alone, especially we learn as he got closer to the crucifixion. Jesus spent a lot of time in the garden and prayed all through the night um, for that. Um, I love the scripture in Philippians. Um, it's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, don't worry about every don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is a scriptural promise if you're looking for peace. Verse 7, then, after you do those things, then you will experience, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. One of the tools the enemy uses, and we've learned over our Deadly Sins on uh, series, is how he can use certain words and twist them against us, and they wind up being unhealthy. So here's a word that I use, that most people that I know use, and this word in itself, there's nothing wrong with it. But boy, when it becomes abused, it's horrible, especially when it affects your prayer life. The word is, everybody, can you start uh, slapping your hands on your thighs? Get a drum roll. Okay, a little bit more. The word is processing. Processing. How many times have we not heard that word? Well, 
I know they're 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 mad and and they need the Lord, blah blah blah. But they're they're just processing. I'm like processing for four years. Like, come on, I mean, we gotta, all right? But sometimes processing, even though it's healthy, because it's a part of healing. So I don't want you to hear that it's not necessary to think things through and walk things through. But it can be used as a tool by the enemy to keep us from freedom. Processing, when it's used for healing, is great because it should, through the process, push us towards a healthier soul and a healthier spirit. When the enemy gets a hold of us with processing, we wallow in the pain and we wallow in the sorrow. And we still call it processing, but there's no movement towards healing. We're just sitting in the darkness and we're frozen by our emotions. One way that we can avoid that horrible, that horrible cycle is to make sure that we maintain a lifestyle of prayer. A lot of times when we have these big episodes in our lives where we have to suddenly, oh my gosh, I got to get on my knees. This is what's going on. This is what's going on. Well, if we had a lifestyle of pray prayer, we would probably be able to hear God a little bit better. We wouldn't have to wait till the bad things happen to suddenly now, now I go from zero to seminary and I, I jump in my Bible all of a sudden and I try to read and I listen to the Lord and I try to make sure to pick up, you know, God's brain waves really fast because this big thing is happening, right? If we maintain that lifestyle, we stay close to God. The Holy Spirit is walking us with us. The, the scriptures talk about keeping in step with the Spirit. So we don't have to, you, you'll never have to wind up searching for God through the tough times if you're already walking with him daily anyway. Make sure we maintain a lifestyle of prayer. And what's cool is it also helps you become ready for people that you need to pray for when you come to church or when you're out there at a coffee shop and you feel like you're supposed to say, hey, can I, can I pray for you? You seem like you're having a rough day. If you have a lifestyle of prayer, it's no big deal. It's just one of the things I do. I eat, I breathe, I sleep, I pray, right? Um, so we need to maintain that lifestyle. The second thing, honor God. Honor God is the second one. Um, to honor first, actually. God and their faith. Just like the scripture showed us, we first need to make sure that we recognize God for who he is, that we honor him, that he is separate, that he's holy, right? We also need to honor the people that are coming to us. So Evan, if he were a visitor, get this, statistically, if he was a visitor to our church, statistically, that he came in, there is probably a 52, 53% chance he doesn't know anything about the church, our purpose, really a whole lot about God, right? So he's coming in, and this is the feeling. I want you to think about this. He knows nothing about God, wasn't brought up in church, just knows, hey, I'm in need. I'm going to check this out. I hear churches are good. He comes in. You're like, welcome. So we rush him to the coffee. All right, pick your favorite coffee. These are the people that you need to meet. These are the movers and shakers in the church. Then we run him down the ramp. Then Evan comes in. Hey, we're glad you're here. Go ahead, have a seat. Uh, Evan uh, probably doesn't have a Bible, probably doesn't even really understand who wrote it. Okay, you say this is a word of God, but it's also scriptures that you say people wrote. So which one is it? Is it a God thing or is it a scripture thing? He sits down. Then the band starts up. 
okay, first of all, I don't know these songs. I never listened to them on the radio, but okay, okay. At least you got words so I can like look and try to try to figure it out. And then after that, we'll actually have some announcements of things that we know are already happening. Evan has no clue. And we're talking about the homeless outreach. We're talking about these different things. Then as we're talking, we use, obviously, insider language. And that's not bad. We're just a community of people. So we understand what communion means and worship and terms like the fire of God and the blood of Jesus, right? Somebody that doesn't know, that doesn't have a biblical worldview. Wait, wait, blood, fire. Hold on, dude. I just thought I was going to be encouraged by a good speaker. What the heck? All right. So now they're experiencing all of this. Then, of course, we talk about giving, which makes even Christians nervous, right? Um, and it's like, hey, is this a cost for entry or what is this? Do you guys take visa? All right. He's trying to work through all of this. Then after that, there's a message, a message that comes from scriptures. And unless the message is very gospel centric uh, or maybe geared towards maybe uh, an unbeliever, this person is going to be hearing the words of God, which will have seeds in his heart. It will, because the scriptures tell us that the world, that the word does not return void. It doesn't return empty. So those words will sit there. Evan is there listening to this. And then at the end, okay, does anybody uh, want to accept Jesus? Anybody have any prayer requests? Okay. He's like, okay, prayer. Okay, sure. Uh, I had a bad day yesterday. Okay. So we pray, and then at the end, then we go up to Evan and say, hey, Evan, are you coming back next Sunday? Didn't you have a great time? All right? Okay, so here's the cool part, how we can honor people's faith. It is scary. It's just we've forgotten how, how it felt when we first came into a church, maybe. Now, some of us were always brought up in a church, so that's not a big deal. Um, but I can remember going into some churches, and I was really, really scary. You don't know how things work. Even if you're going to another church from a church you used to go to, when do they do communion? How do they do communion? Is there baptism? What do I call the pastor? Do I call them reverend? Do I call them sir? Uh, where do I sit? Is there a special VIP sitting? Is there a special ministry seating for them? Oh, man, I hope the sound isn't too loud. Otherwise, I'm going to have to change my seat. Um, is the coffee good? Where do I go? Right. So it's nerve wracking a lot of times going to a new church. And now when a person actually risks and then you, and leaps over that hurdle of fear to say, I need prayer. One of the best things you can do is to honor them. And the scriptures tell us um, throughout scripture to honor one another. And I could honor uh, Evan and simply by saying, hey, Evan, thank you so much uh, for allowing me to be a part um, of your prayer. How can I pray to God for you today? Or thank you. I know it wasn't easy for you to come up here. Thank you. Just recognizing that because that's a scary thing for quite a few people. So make sure that you honor God and you honor their faith. The next one is to make sure that we ask the question. Ask the question. Now, this isn't done at every church. It actually, there's a good friend of mine in Duluth, Minnesota, when I went for some discipleship training and I loved it and got to watch it in action. And our ministry team, when we get that team large enough where there's a dedicated group of people, they will need to ask this question every single time. And so this is the question. Has there ever, has there ever been a time when you unconditionally surrendered your life to Jesus? 
Has there ever been a time? That's your question. Now, I know that sounds weird because you're thinking, well, hold on a second. This person might be coming up to me because they hurt their ankle. But here's the reason why. One, their trial that they're going through might be the very thing that's drawing them to God. That might be the very thing that God in his sovereignty is allowing. If Evan comes up to me and says, hey, man, listen, I need a job. And I ask him, hey, listen, that's great. I'm definitely going to pray for you. Can I ask you a quick question? Has there ever been a time when you unconditionally surrendered your life to Jesus? If Evan says no, what should be my follow-up question? Anyone, any students here? Would you like to? I mean, that's like awesome, right? Okay, so if he says yes, all of a sudden we know that the Holy Spirit has guided that prayer time to a whole other direction probably than what Evan intended, right? Now, if Evan says, no, no, that's okay, great, let's pray. Let's go ahead and pray. But at least ask the question. Now, check it out. Even if it's someone you know, so if I need prayer from you, go ahead and answer and ask me that question. It's okay. Because over time, what's going to happen is when you come up for prayer, if you already know what, the, what, what they're going to ask you, you usually wind up telling. So you come up even before, hey, listen, I need prayer. Yep, I'm a Christian. I've been there. Okay, cool. So you'll do that. That's what's really cool. Once you get doing it, but it's part of building a culture that it's something we ask because we can't assume. We can't assume. And I, I got to share with some of our leaders how I was a, a, a pastor at a church in Omaha. And one of the board members uh, actually had been a board member for almost 20 years. And I had asked a question about just testimonies. I just wanted to know when I first got hired, hey, tell me about your, your life and tell me how you came to Jesus. And that board member flat out said that he wasn't a Christian. Yeah, it happens. And it happens more than we think uh, because a lot of time, rather than looking at Christ, being a Christian as a journey, we look at it as a culture. And that's one of the things that have hurt the church over the past 20 or 30 years. It's been a culture. So as long as I wear the cool Christian shirts and I go to the Christian concerts and uh, I regularly attend and, and I do that, but we don't look deeper and go, oh, man, is there, is there fruit in your life? Is there something? There's not a life that's anchored in prayer and, and scripture and listening um, and doing that. It's very easy to have people that are not Christians that come to church. It is. Because again, we've turned it into a culture rather than a walk and a spiritual journey. Um, so asking the question um, is cool. Uh, one of the best times I did this, I asked someone the question and they, they responded by saying, what do you mean? And I was like, oh man, let me tell you what I mean, um, right? Um, so anyway, ask the question. Trust me, you're not going to offend them. Um, but if someone does say, hey, that's kind of a personal question. Why are you asking? Simply explain it to them. Be honest and say, hey, we don't care just about your immediate rescue from your situation, but we also care about your soul. Right. And uh, reinforce, hey, whether you make that decision or not, I'm going to still pray with you and pray for you with all my heart and do that. Um, so make sure you reiterate that. Ask the question. The second reason we want to make sure that we ask that question is it also lets you know where they are. 
Um, so if it's a person that is a Christian, you'll, you might use a little bit different language when you're praying with them and they can hear than maybe someone you don't know where they are, they're, they're not. Um, so it helps you become more aware how to pray. Um, the next one, listen to them and the Holy Spirit. Listen to them and the Holy Spirit. We want to listen. I want to listen to Evan um, as, he's pray, as he tells me. I'm like, Evan, how can I pray for you today? So do you have anything I can pray for you about? No, nothing at all. No. Are you sure? Okay, you got to know how these like modeling this thing works. So you're supposed to like make up something so I can pray for you. No, what's one thing I can pray for you about? Uh, Boom. Okay. So as Evan is talking about it, and is that okay if we all pray? Yeah. Pray for your mom. Okay. Cool. For a job. Awesome. All right. So as Evan is sitting there telling me this, I'm also going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit may be telling us other things during this time. Maybe there's something specific about his mom that we could be praying about. Maybe there's something actually weighing on Evan that even though it's his mom, but Evan has some concerns also. All right. So we want to make sure that we're constantly listening to the Lord in regards to whatever that prayer is that's brought him. Um, I... Uh, a perfect example of this is that uh, you know that uh, several of you know that Patty uh, used to run like really far and she ran a marathon and uh, she was getting ready to run. And I came to church uh, one Sunday. I didn't have to leave worship and they asked for prayer and I ran up and I said, hey, I need to pray. And uh, they said, OK, sure. What do you need prayer for? And I was like, well, uh, my wife is running a marathon, is running the Lincoln Marathon. and Instantly, I felt like two hands slapped on my head. Um, and then they were praying about, you know, the, the, the Lord clearing the paths and no, no snakes in front of her, no rocks tripping her up. And every fiber of her being, every sinew and tendon would, would be held in place. And I mean, it was like an intense prayer. Here's the problem. They didn't listen. My prayer was going to be, hey, I need wisdom on how I can support her in her runs. That was my that was what I went up there for. But it winded up coming into becoming this really long like exercise. Um, and I appreciated their hearts. And I knew their hearts were in the right place and I didn't interrupt them um, to do that. But we need to make sure that we listen to the people that we're praying for. Um, that is an example of God's love and mercy and grace uh, when we do that. So please listen. Listen to them. Listen to the Lord. That leads us to number five. Number five, it's one of my favorites. Don't make it weird. Don't make prayer weird. Here's the deal. Anything supernatural with the Holy Spirit, I'm all about God making it weird. If God makes it weird, cool. If someone grows a leg, someone uh, who's uh, uh, blind, that God heals them and gives them sight, that's good weird. So we're going to embrace that. But don't make it weird on our own power. Don't be super showy or trying to imitate someone on a TV show or something like that to show how spiritual we are. Uh, we should be having a conversation. Remember, this is an intimate conversation between you, another person, and the creator of the universe. So let's make sure that we respect them. Um, don't make it weird. Very simple, practical things. Look at how you stand. Don't stand over someone. Um, ask if you can lay your hands on them if you want to do that. Don't just suddenly touch someone. 
um, to do that. Also, your proximity. Not everyone is comfortable being super, super, super close. Um, and so usually when I pray for someone, uh, come a little bit closer. Stop, right there. All right. This is about as close as I get to someone that I don't know that I'm praying for. And I do that intentionally so it's not overwhelming. Can you imagine this? Right? And so just be aware. Be aware of that. Um, and again, this isn't an attack on anyone's intentions, right? We all have a heart. We want to see people blessed and be able to experience the mercy and grace, the restoration, the healing, and the power of God. We want people to be able to do that, but we just need to just need to be aware. Also, watch the volume for two reasons. Again, one, we don't want to be scaring them um, like the friends that, that prayed for me that day. Um, yeah, I think that's probably why I'm getting hearing loss here. I might need your prayer because they prayed so loud when they prayed for me, Evan. Will you pray for me? Yeah. All right. All right. But the second thing is a lot of these prayers are personal. The person could be sharing a lot of different things, and obviously we want to respect that privacy. So make sure to watch that. Watch how you stand. Watch your proximity. Ask if you can lay hands on them if you could. Um, there's one other thing. There's some things that... Uh, might be gender related that you may want to have actually another person uh, pray for them. Um, so I've been approached just as a senior pastor where there's some things that uh, some ladies have asked for me prayer for. Uh, and I thought, ah, this would probably be a good thing for, uh, for Jen or Dory to come up or I'll find someone, uh, Margie, to pray for. So just, just be aware of that. Be sensitive. And a lot of that is just listening to the, listening to the Holy Spirit. Finally, the last one. Pray in faith and power. Pray in faith and power. All of us, every single person, has been given a measure of faith, the scripture says. All right? So we, as a matter of fact, it took faith for actually us to follow Jesus. It took faith for us to do it. So go ahead, once I know what I'm supposed to be praying for, we'll pray in faith and we'll pray in power. We know that the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. We're going to pray in accordance with God's will, whatever that is. We know that because we've prepared, right? We're in this walk with God. We have a, a prayer life daily. So we know what that will is. That's one of the best ways to understand the will of God. If you're not sure, it's just to remain in prayer with him. So make sure that we pray that we have an expectancy in faith that God, if this is in accordance of, of your will, in accordance with your will, we know it'll happen in heaven as it is in earth. That Lord's prayer, right? So we want to make sure that we pray that way. Uh, and we want them to hear because that encouragement will actually help their faith in their prayer life by doing it. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to. One of the best prayers I got actually was from Emma Regla, and she was probably four or five. And man, she laid her hands on me one time, and uh, I thought, man, I'm, 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 am, am I being like filled with the Holy Spirit? Uh, and doing it, she was so powerful. And her prayer was just simply, uh, Lord, bless him, make his headache go away. Amen. I mean, it was a very simple prayer, and my headache went away. I was definitely blessed by the experience. And I mean, she's a little girl, four or five year old. So we don't have to explain away or, you know, run through a lot of processes with prayer. God knows what they need. And sometimes it's okay to be honest and say, you know what? Let me take a moment and listen to God.
because I'm not really getting a clear, a clear picture of how to pray. So I might go to Evan, and if you can come a little closer, Evan. Is it okay if I, if I lay my hands on you yeah. and pray for you? Is that cool? Yeah. Okay, cool. If they say no, it's okay. It's fine. It's all right. God works in distance. He works in gaps all the time, right? Um, but I might say as I listen to Evan and, I'm pr and I start to pray, and I was like, Evan, I know it's about your mom getting a job. Um, I just want to listen to the Lord to see if there's any other areas that I can pray for. Is that cool? If I just listen for a second? Yeah. Cool. And we just sit and we listen and we, and we listen for a second. And we go. And then we, we act. So we're like, Lord, we know that you are Jehovah Jireh. It's one of your titles in scripture. Um, that you're the provider of those. And I know your mom. Um, I know that she follows the Lord. So, Father, I pray that you would give her... Um, would give her your provision and it would be the perfect job, not just a job that would just make ends meet. Um, but God, may it be a job that would be more than she would even expect. That it would be over and abundantly what she would even ask you for directly. We're asking that you would just bless her. And through the transition, through looking for a job, that she would be encouraged. That she would be able to see you in the process. And Lord, when she gets to that job, that people also would be able to see you. They may not understand it. They may not put words onto it, but they know that something is different. And by her life, how she works, how she speaks, that she would be able to bless others and they would be drawn to you. We pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would already be ahead and that there would be a presence whenever she would enter a room at this new job. And Father, for this, the stress and the tension um, that happens in the house, the worry when you're looking for a job, even the unspoken, subtle stress, Father, we pray also that you would remove the unbelief, that you would remove the doubt, that would, it would be a house that would be filled with faith, would be filled with expectation, would be filled with joy, and would be filled with your peace. That surpasses all understanding. Lord, we look forward to hearing the news from heaven. When we have our time of listening to the Spirit and Evan comes in here and says, my mom got that job. We thank you for hearing us. We ask this in Jesus' name, you the giver of all good things. Amen. 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 Thank you, Evan. Mm -hmm. And so that's it. That pretty much is the deal. Um, I want to read to you a couple of scriptures. You can sit down, Evan. Thank you so much, Evan, for letting us pray for you. Thank you. James 4 says this, What's What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Boy, that's a scary verse, but it's true. Um, the times where people ask and ask and ask. And we have to ask ourselves, one, okay, did I ask God for it? Also, are my motives right? Do I want this for the right reason? Um, is this just solely uh, something that I'm asking for constantly because it will give me pleasure? 
The scripture isn't saying asking for things, for God to bless you with things. God loves us when we're happy. Uh, and he enjoys that. It's part of the abundant life that we're living. But if God doesn't answer it or says, no, that's not for you. Maybe it's not for you right now, or it could be. It's just something that's not for you later. We shouldn't get all tense and all upset about that because evidently God in his sovereignty, it's not meant for us to have. Um, so we just need to make sure our motives are right. When we're praying for things, just make sure that we understand that we're in alignment uh, with God's will. Also, 1 John 5 says this, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Again, it touches on the same thing we learned in James 4. We're confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Again, we need to make sure that our prayers are in alignment with the Holy Spirit who knows the mind of God. Our faith needs to be in alignment with his will. And we know this through the Holy Spirit that he sent us. He activated in the gifts that we have through him to bless others. There was an old show that used to be on that I used to watch with my grandmother called Father Knows Best. It's a perfect example of our attitude in prayer. It's not on us. It's on God. It's not on us to get a job for Evan's mom. It's on God. It's God's timing, his place, his time, his way. I'm not responsible for how fast God answers a prayer. Otherwise, I would be God. And then that would be a total different problem. We're blessed to have a means to connect to the creator of everything and bless others through this gift of prayer. And I wanted to leave you with this last thought on the screen here. Prayer is God's gift to us of relationship and presence. Prayer is God's gift to us of relationship and presence. He didn't have to make a way that we can actually talk to him. He could have still blessed us and, and we would have still been rescued from our sins and all that without us having the access to talk to him. But he loves us and he wants this relationship and he wants us to experience his power and his presence in our daily lives. Prayer is a gift. Let's open that gift and let's use it. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the gift of your presence and, the and, the, and your availability to us. Thank you for wanting to spend time with us and always being ready to listen. Thank you for this great gift of your guidance, your strength, your comfort, your relationship. Help us to accept this gift and use it in our lives to connect with you through prayer and really get to know you. Lord, also help us listen to your responses, to not let us run off half-cocked after we pray. But Lord, help us take a moment to rest and listen. Help us know your will and help us make sure that our requests, our prayers, are in alignment with your will for us. Help us love others through prayer. Let's prepare our hearts for a communion.
it's so appropriate to do communion uh, now because um, prayer, um, again, there's an intimacy when we pray for one another, uh, as well as uh, when we pray to God, when we pray individually, there's an intimacy. It's a family practice, no different than eating together. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was actually celebrating Passover, which is a night full of prayers um, that have been passed down from generation to generation with his spiritual family. He knew that the time was coming, that he would be handed over to rulers and that he would die brutally for our sins. He knew it was coming. And so he took the bread and he blessed it. He broke it and said, take and eat. This is my body given to you. Go ahead and eat. Then in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant um, that now, now because of his blood, he's made a path. He's made a way that we can actually come before the King of Kings, come before the throne of grace, come before the Lord. Nothing would separate us. Our prayers, which is commonly symbolized by aromas, that that aroma uh, would ascend and there's nothing that would get in the way. That Jesus' death tore down that veil, that boundary between us and the Father once and for all. So let's drink in, remem in remembrance of him. Um, that that boundary is, is torn down, uh, that we have access to the Father through prayer. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for uh, just uh, an amazing time that you, your Holy Spirit has spoken in us um, and through us. An opportunity to encourage one another to pray and be your hands and be your voice as we encourage one another through our words, um, through our listening, and through our prayers. Fathers, we go this week. The one thing we can take away, Lord, is that we don't take your gift for granted. So, Father, please remind us that prayer itself is a beautiful gift. And it reminds us of our relationship with you as well as your presence. I bless you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.